0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at OverlandPark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. It's good to have you um, here today, and Happy New Year, 2023. Yeah, I remember in 1980, 1980, I was 10 years old, and I used to play with Hot Wheels. Any of you play with Hot Wheels? Oh yeah. Love the Hot Wheels. But some, for some reason I can remember playing out there. We we lived on in kind of a, I don't know, we had like 22 acres. So I had, this, I had lots of places to play with my Hot Wheels. But I remember, you know, you would get these Hot Wheels, if you, if you really had a collection, you'd kind of, you and your buddies would kind of divide them up, right? You would take turns picking and then you would put your collection of cars together and then you'd you'd proceed to building. Um, I didn't have any of those fancy tracks or anything. We'd build our own. So out in the dirt. But I can remember I had this one. It actually wasn't a Hot Wheel. It was a knockoff brand. And I picked it. It was a truck with a camper on it. And then I had a boat that I would pull behind it. And then I, oh yeah, that's a good one, wasn't it? And I made goals, man. I can remember making goals by, see, when I would think like, well, in 1990, I'll be 20. And in 2000, i be 30 and 20, and kind of you know. I was, I was born in '70, so it's easy for me to kind of figure that out. Uh, and and I made goals that man, by this time I'm going to have me uh, a motorcycle, and by this time I'm going to have a, a camper and a, a truck and in a, a boat and. And then I had kids in there and a wife. And, and I got all that done, man. <laughs> I got all that done. What I didn't see, though, is that I would pastor a church one day. That was never in any of my vision. Uh, and so I, uh, I think about what, what, where we're at as a body of believers and what the Lord wants us to do and I, all that is ahead of us in 2023, how successful we are and how God will use us is 100% dependent upon your offering. So we're going to talk about your offering to the Lord in 2023. As we continue our study in uh, Romans chapter 12, what I've tried to lean in and teach you um, about through this uh, book and, and why we call it Believe, this series, is that behavior needs to always follow belief. And so how you function and behave in the kingdom needs to follow your belief and not trying to get your belief to follow your behavior. In other words, you're going to do A, B, C, or D, and that that's going to help you believe more. No, you've got to start with the right things to believe. And so Paul always does this in his books, in his letters uh, to the church. He always starts heavy on the theology, and then he starts to Kind of play out this is what it means for you ethically as a Christian, all of this belief, when it plays out in your life, should look like this, and so when we get to chapters one through eleven we've covered, we learn that men chapters one through eleven is all about what God has given us. we just look man it's just about justification and and righteousness and how we share in that talks about how humanity is you know um, all men uh, uh, fall short of the glory of God, all women do. And, and God has done all of these things to, he's given us all of these things to put us in a right relationship with him. When we get to chapter 12 through 16, Paul shifts gears and now he's saying, like, this is what you give to God. And so um, it's basically what we have to be good at uh, in the kingdom is translating our learning into living. So taking what we're supposed to believe and letting it play out into behavior. And so the key to spiritual victory and happiness in 2023 is not getting all we can from God. That's not the key. The key is giving all we are and have to Him. So the more that you are able to give yourself to God and the more that you surrender— the more you will experience an um, an increased level of victory and what we would say maybe spiritual happiness. Jesus talked a lot about um, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed is this, blessed is that. B- the word blessed really means kind of a spiritual happiness or a spiritual contentment. And so in 2023, when we think of, okay, this is going to be the year that I break out spiritually, I hope that's um, your commitment, it's not about getting more from God. It's about giving all to God. When you start to learn about all that God has done, you begin to recognize, man, the Lord doesn't have to do anything else for me. He has done so much. And so I want to do and give more to Him. And that, and again, we have to understand that we can start the doing without the believing or we end up in a very, very uh, dangerous place. If you get the behavior before the belief, then you will end up with self-righteousness and pharisaical living. Uh, you'll end up trying to live a life that you actually can't live because you'll, you'll come up with a, a list of do's and don'ts, a list of wills and won'ts, and you won't be able to keep it. And people will recognize that you can't keep it. And they'll recognize that you're saying you are keeping it, but you're actually not keeping it. And you will know that. And it will make you feel awful about yourself. And so we have to start with belief. And and so when we think about giving and our offering to God, let's look at and unpack two verses in Romans chapter 12. It says this, Therefore, And I think he's saying, therefore, based upon everything he said up through these first 11 chapters, is, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, and fully surrendered to him as a young man, I just wanted to know what is the will of God? I wanted to get the will of God right in my life. I want to make sure that who I married, um, where I went to school, uh, all kinds of things, the decisions I was making, I wanted to make sure that I was in the will of God. Well, this tells us exactly how to be in the will of God. And it has to do with offering ourselves as living sacrifices. That's what we're called to do. Now, what's interesting is that the Jewish people knew about dying sacrifices. They were consistently reminded um, throughout their history. God had instituted a sacrificial system where they would sacrifice animals, they would sacrifice grain offerings, they would bring these offerings in, and a lot of them had to do with death. Especially when we look at the Paschal Lamb, that was um, their sin offering, that once a year the high priest would make this offering as an atonement of their sins, that and. They, and they they would make these pilgrimages. If they didn't live in Jerusalem, they would come back home and, and they would observe these times. These festivals were really, really important um, in their lives. But here, um, the Word is telling them, Paul is telling us that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Now, what is a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice, the way you do that is you lay aside your desires to follow his desires. Psalm 57, I believe it is, says that uh, the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. If we will commit our way to him, he'll bring them to pass. And I believe that is true, but I believe it's directly tied um, to our ability to lay our desires aside and begin to take on his desires. And so when we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, it's putting all of our energy and resources at his disposal and trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us. And so I'm going to trust that as I lay down my, and offer myself that I'm, let's go back to the Hot Wheels illustration. Instead of just saying, I get to pick and I'm going to pick this, and then you get to pick and I get to pick and you get to pick and I get to pick. It's like putting all the Hot Wheels out there and say, Lord, pick them for me. You get to pick which ones I want. You get to pick which ones I I should have. And so it's living in unity with him and allowing him to lead us in those choices that we're making. That's what a living sacrifice looks like. uh, 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 living for ourselves is, is we're just going to get as many as we can. And we'll, the ones that we want, and we don't think about anybody else. We don't think about God. We just think about ourselves. And, and this is what I want. I'm going to go for all of this and, and get as much of it as I can. And so laying aside our desires to follow his is what a living sacrifice looks like. Now, if we look in the Bible, a great picture of this is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham is the patriarch of our faith. God makes a promise to this guy. Before he gives the the law that we have in the Old Testament, he comes to Abraham. Abraham doesn't have any uh, kids. He calls him to leave where he's living with his his family, his father, go to a foreign land, and he says, I'm going to make you into a father of many nations. And so Abraham lives a long life, and he never does have any uh, kids with his wife Sarah. And finally, he does have one well beyond the age of being, uh, when one should be able to have a child. He and Sarah have a child. His name is Isaac. And God asks him, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Now, this is a crazy thing for our God, the, the God of the Bible, to ask for. It was common in the pagan um, religions around them. They would make um, children, they would sacrifice their children to these different gods, especially the god of Molech. They would um, they would sacrifice to them. But so here we look at this: how, why would God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? Well, it, the reason God is able to do that is because God is sovereign. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he was not going to require Abraham to um, sacrifice Isaac, but he wanted him to go on that journey, and that journey was both for Abraham. And Isaac, and more importantly, it was for us. It was a foreshadowing of what God would do on the cross of Calvary when he, um, God the Father, became God the Son and sacrificed himself on the cross that we might know him. And so we look at that story. Abraham is making his way. We know in the story um, that uh, Isaac had said to him, Father, I see the wood. I see the fire they were carrying the fire. They were carrying the wood. And Isaac is like, dad, where's the sacrifice? He was starting to think in himself, and he probably knew about these other sacrifices. He probably could tell his dad's heart was heavy. He's like, what's going on here? What are we doing? Like, where are we going? I see the fire. I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And, uh, and we know that uh, the the writer of hebrews tells us that abraham had reasoned in his mind that god was able to raise isaac from the dead if he sacrificed him because he knew that God had promised that he would turn him into it. Like the first promise he received from God is you're going to be the father of many nations. He needed a son to do that. Finally, God gives him a son through a miraculous birth, well beyond the uh, age that they should have been able to have a child. And now God is asking that, that he sacrificed that son. So he had reasoned in his mind that God would raise him from the dead because that's the only way that he could fulfill the promise that he had made to him. But when he gets there and he raises the knife and he's about to take his son's life, he's stopped by God. There's a ram in the thicket and he says, sacrifice that instead. And so Isaac becomes a living sacrifice based upon the substitutionary death of the ram that God provided, the lamb. It was a picture of Jesus. And so when Jesus comes, and he becomes a substitutionary death for us on the cross of Calvary, then he dies in our said, and we are ones who we're willing to die to ourselves, but we become living sacrifices for God. Jesus is the greatest picture of a living sacrifice. He takes on the form of flesh, and he lives in this body, and he dies in order to substitute Um, uh, for the sacrifice of our sins. And then he, because he is faultless, he is sinless, he rises from the dead and he is still living today, carrying on uh, the work of the kingdom through his people. And so we look at this and we see a picture of what it looks like to be a living sacrifice. You're alive, yet you're submitting to the will of God and God is providing for you. Now, had the knife been laid to Isaac's neck, he would be a dead sacrifice, but he wasn't. He was a living sacrifice. And so when we walk in faith with Christ, we become living sacrifices to the Lord. A living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, what this says to us in verse 2 is we do not conform to the pattern of this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so as living sacrifices, when it talks about being conformed to the pattern of this world, um, the Bible often talks about the world and schemes and and, uh, strategies of wickedness that are laid out um, to entrap people. And so we look at the world system and this is, um, we know that uh, there's a real spiritual enemy of God. I believe in a real devil. The scripture teaches of a real devil and demons that exist in the world. And I believe they are behind this world system that exists. And so a lot of times people don't even realize that they are being controlled by something that is very dark and evil. And so he says, don't be conformed to that. Rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now this word transformed comes from the word um, metamorpho. And it means, uh, or it's the same word that we get our word uh, metamorphosis from. And so we see a a creature can go through a change of metamorphosis. They can go from, you know, being a little worm to being a butterfly. They wrap up in a cocoon, spend so much time, and they come out, and all of a sudden they're uh, something much more appealing than they were when they started, right? Well, that's sort of what happens when a person comes to know the Lord. Um, Their lives are transformed into... Uh, a a different creature, a new creation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the uh, old is gone and the new has come. And so that is um, going passing from death to life and experiencing salvation. However, it doesn't stop there. And so in the faith in the last 40 or 50 years, Um, The church has been real focused on making sure we are evangelistic and getting people into the kingdom. And so we've reduced the Christian walk down to, well, make sure that you have been saved. And we would say, to be saved, you need to uh, acknowledge uh, that uh, you are a sinner, believe that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, the Christ, that he died um, for you, and confess with your mouth that um, you're a sinner and that he is God and he has risen from the dead and you will be saved. And that is true. That's how one comes into the kingdom is through faith in that. But we sort of reduce the Christian faith to that decision and that transformation. Because what happens is when a person accepts that truth into their life, they're born again, Christ says. But we know that we've learned all through the first 11 chapters of, of Romans is that, This is not a one-time decision. There's a one-time decision to get in, but then there's a continual transformation happening in the life of the believer. That's called sanctification. Ultimately, we end up in the third phase, which is glorification when Christ returns and our souls and bodies are reunited to take on the same kind of body that he now has and is alive today living in, a a body made for eternity. And so we are constantly going through this process of transformation. And the way that we're going to enter into 2023 and have an incredible year is that if we're making the right offering. Jesus said to the woman at the well, she said, you know, our fathers worship on this mountain. Your fathers worship on another mountain. She basically saying, who, which one is right? Who's, who's worshiping in the right place? Jesus. And Jesus says, woman, a time has come coming when people will neither worship at that mountain or this mountain, but they will worship in spirit and truth. That's what the Father seeks. He seeks people who are worshiping him in spirit and truth. So how do we go about worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth? There are three ways we offer ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. And the first way, clearly from the text, is give Jesus your body. Okay? You have to make a conscious decision that you're going to offer your body up to Jesus Um, for his glorification. Before you become a follower of Jesus, your body is used for your own sinful pleasures and you don't even think about it. You do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, and you take no thought whatsoever about Jesus and God or Jesus as God and the truth of his word or anything. You just live your life and you don't worry about anything else. But once you become a follower of Jesus, then you start to think about Okay, my life needs to be about the glory of Christ and who he is. And, and our body, you see, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you, re- whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore... Honor God with your bodies. Okay, so when you think about what has happened when you call upon the name of the Lord and you are saved and you're born again spiritually, you come alive, then all of a sudden, your body's not your own because Jesus paid for it. He didn't just get your soul whenever um, he saved you from your sins. He got your body too. Now, we know that the body um, is... uh, we struggle with the body. It's it's hard to get the body uh, to do what we want it to do. Like it's it's obvious, right? And today's attendance, it's 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 literally January first, and attendance is down. Not just in our church, every church across America. Why? Because some people did not control their bodies last night and they could not get their bodies out of bed this morning. And some of you normally are online, and we will have grace over you, but we want you to understand that you did not make it today like the rest of us (laughs) (laughs) because you did not control your body, right? Every week, I have to make a choice. How late am I going to stay up Saturday night Am I going to watch a movie real late into the morning and then wake up and not be fresh for the Lord's people on Sunday morning so that I could teach them their word? It is all about me making a decision. Will I offer my body to the Lord this Saturday night? Will I offer my body to the Lord on Sunday? Will I offer my body to the Lord on Monday? You see, Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow him. And so every day I've got to get my body to do what the Lord wants it to do. The problem becomes the fact of the matter is my sinful desires still reside in my body, even though God has redeemed my soul. This is why Paul says, as he's telling us what to believe in chapter seven, I keep on doing what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. What's wrong with me? Who will save me from this wretched state? He says, thanks be to God, for Jesus Christ who rescues me from this this place. And he's he's showing us, man, even though we have been made alive in Christ and we are now alive spiritually and God lives in us, the body is like a car for God, right? Some of you drove different different kinds of vehicles into church this morning. It was your mode of transportation getting you from A to B. Our bodies, the gospel is not about us. The gospel is about God. It is always about God. It's about showing God's graciousness, showing his mercy, showing his love, showing his wrath. It shows everything. It's about us learning about who God is, even though it touches our lives and has all of these incredible benefits for us individually. Ultimately, it's about God and my body. You see, when I'm surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, my body is to be used as he indwells me through the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work of the kingdom on the planet. That cannot happen just because I believe in Christ and I've been born again. I have to have a daily surrendering of my body to the Lord in service to the king. And and so it's, it's actively engaging in worship on a daily basis. Every day is a worship experience, not just Sunday when Sean is leading us. You will worship the Lord with your body somehow, some way, or you will not worship the Lord with your body tomorrow. Every day we do this. We have to make a decision. What am I going to do with this body that the Lord has given me for this period of time that I've been allotted between my birthday and my death day to advance the kingdom of Christ? Because that's how the Lord is moving his kingdom forward as he's using us. And that's why I say how successful we are as a ministry and and what the Lord does is dependent upon your offering is if you don't offer your body to the Lord, we will not get as much done this year as we're supposed to get done, accomplished. It's not... Our ability to advance as a church is not based upon, oh, my teaching is good, or Sean's worship is good, or our children's ministry is good. That, that's, you can grow something with those things being polished and nice, but you can't grow a church and the kingdom of Christ unless the kingdom of Christ is moving individually in the hearts and lives of people. You see, we are all the body of Christ, and the Lord wants to take the gospel into places to where only you can take it, and the only way that it can get there is if you allow your body to be offered to the Lord as a sacrifice, and you say, Jesus, here's my body, but we also have to give Jesus our minds. Now, the, the, the Bible talks about the, the body and, and, and our physical makeup and the sarks, the noose, and the pneuma. Mind, body, and spirit, and I believe also there is the soul that is the eternal being of us, um, whereas the the spirit has more to do with um, the our will and so on and so forth. And so, as we think through this, our minds, um, the world wants to control your mind, and God wants to transform it. And so, there are two words that are used: conform and transform. And um, the world uses pressure to control it externally, while God uses truth to transform it internally. And our job is to move from conformer to transformer. Now we know that the world, like the world around us, is powerful. Okay, and again, I believe there's there's evil behind everything that is happening in this world system. Okay, and when we say world system. What we mean is things that are not controlled by God, they're controlled by something else. And we see it, there's a lot of evil that goes on in the world. And so the world understands, the world system understands the weakness of the flesh and and as as does God. And so um, the world is using all of these external features or pressures to get us to conform to it. Okay, like uh, there's a you. That's why there are billboards when you drive down the interstate. It's the world. It's the world trying to to pressure us. You need this. If you stop at this restaurant, you like this rest stop. You will get the best donut you've ever had all the way to the way to California, or the best steak, or the. It's just there, man. And now we live in a world like we were growing up as billboards and slick magazines, right? When I was a kid, what you would do to make your, your list is you would get the Sears catalog out. That thing was about that thick, man. It had a toy section in it. And you just circle everything you want, right? And you got hardly any of it. But that's what you did. And now we have the internet. And now we have these stupid things called reels. And you start watching one and <laughs> and then you watch another one, Hey, you look up, in 30 minutes, you haven't even been watching the ball game or anything, you haven't talked to anybody, you've been watching these stupid reels, right? Is that just me, or is that you guys, too? They're powerful. Why is it that they're so, and, and here's what they do. So they customize them, don't they, Jason? and they customize them and they they so i'll have these ones that are outdoors industry right like i'm oh, there's a hunting one there and i'll watch it. and then they always throw one that's real suggestive about a woman on there why there's a there's an evil behind it now i don't know that the person who's doing that they're just thinking about money but there is a there is something behind that that is trying to pressure me to conform to the Pattern of this world to fit into that mold. But God wants to transform my mind. So I have to be aware that not only are all of these slick marketing things and all of this, this technology and, and, and billboards and, and just, I mean, it's everywhere that I need this car. I need this, this particular article of clothing, all this stuff. It's just, I need, I need, I need, I need. I have to understand that this stuff is catering to my flesh and my flesh really wants a lot of the things that it's saying that I want. It's not really a lie, okay? It's just not. The fact of the matter is that it's, it's actually true. My flesh does want it. But if I engage in it apart from the Lord, what he is calling me to, I'm walking in rebellion and I'm not in unity and worshiping Jesus in spirit and truth. And so I'm in a war where I'm trying to get my, my body to do what it's supposed to do. And my mind is the key uh, to get my body to function the way that he wants it. To function, And so he uses the word um, to renew your mind. Look at what Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter four. Now, in two chapters later, he'll give us this famous passage of scripture about spiritual warfare, that we wrestle not against um, flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and forces of wickedness in high places, okay? But to, just, a, just before that, he says this, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. In other words, this is coming with some strong authority. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, he's not calling them ignorant people. He's using ignorance in the fact that they just don't know. They don't know what they uh, don't know. And so he's saying because of that, They've lost all sensitivity, and they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learn. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus... You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so what is, what is the word saying to us here? He's saying, man, the more we are in the word, the more our mind will be renewed by truth to combat all of this external garbage that is constantly trying to pull us away from God, that it's everywhere we turn. And in our day and age, in our, like the, the time that we're living here, it, it's more powerful than it's ever been. Now, here's the scary part. The closer we get to the return of Christ, the greater the power and control of the world system will be. And it, it's rapidly moving. Like it's moving at an unprecedented rate of how much influence the world system has upon people. And so what, what do we do? We say, oh, that's scary to me. Well, it shouldn't be scary to you because the, the word just said... You don't have to worry about this if you will renew your mind and offer it to the Lord. You don't have to worry about being a victim of all this external pressure. If you're not renewing your mind, you probably are afraid somewhat. Because you're, you're not renewing your mind with truth, and so all this external pressure can even begin to impact a believer and pull you away from the things of God and lead you down a life of disruptive destructive behavior because you're no longer focused on the glorification of Christ, you're focused on the glorification of self, and that leads you down a road of rebellion and there are consequences from it, and one of them is you don't have confidence in your faith the way that the Lord wants you to have confidence because you're not believing the right things because the lies are constantly flooding your mind and it's never getting saturated with truth. So like we got to, how do I renew my mind? When I get in the word um, and as I get in the word, then um, it begins to shape the way that I'm thinking. And um, that's one of the reasons why our discipleship model, it doesn't focus on, hey, we're going to study a book of the Bible and we're going to learn all these things about this book of the Bible, which is a great, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But what people need to know how to do right now is sit down and read the word and make an application of it, that truth to your own life. And not just rely on that happening um, in a church on a Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, there are some places where you can't even have a church on Sunday morning. Like you, you have to be able to digest the word of God on your own. And so certainly there is value in this and you, you controlled your body and you got your body to come to church today. And right now you're being taught the word of God and being challenged with the truth of the word. And, and that's renewing your mind and helping you to think more biblically. We hope that that, that that's all taking place, but man, we're supposed like, we need more, like just think, of all the external pressures that you're going to face this week. If you go to a secular uh, um, school, you're going to you're going to, you're going to be taught things that are true that are uh, taught as truth that are not true. They totally contradict the word of God. So how am I going to make it? Well, we can't take everybody out and put them in Christian schools. So how am I going to make it? Renew your mind. Young person, if you don't renew your mind in the truth of God's word, the likelihood of you rebelling and making disastrous mistakes um, as a student are extremely high if you're not renewing your mind with the word because your body will not be able to withstand all of the external pressures that are coming not only from all these things, these marketing things, but from your friends who believe all of these marketing things. You're, if you are getting, see, that's why it's so important to be in a church that's teaching the word and to have people in your life, fellow believers who believe the word to encourage you because it's so easy to get around a person who really ha- looks to, uh, appears to have their life together But they're not being shaped by the truth of God's word. They're being shaped by the lies of the culture around them. And so they will tell you to behave in certain ways that are totally contrary uh, to um, the the, the truth of God's word. And they will lead you down a road of destructive behavior. And so once you begin learning the word, your mind is renewed, then you're ready um, for the third thing you can offer God, and that is giving your will. Your mind controls your body. Everybody raise your hand raise it on up. All right, put it back down. Now, some of you raised your hand because you knew like like I was going to pressure you. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you were rebellious, (laughs) right? Uh, But all of us did one or the other for one reason. Our mind told us what we wanted to do. Some of you said, I don't want to raise my hand. Some of you said, I don't want Jimmy to spend too much time on this point because the Chiefs are playing in 30 minutes and I need him to move on down the road, right? But our brains were, te- our mind was telling us what we will do. And, and so your mind gets your body to do what, it's, what, what you want it to do. But your will, some of you said, I will raise my hand. And some of you said, I won't raise my hand. And it was your will that determined what your mind was going to do in that moment about that choice. And so your mind controls your body, but your will controls your mind. And with the word, the Lord gives us the power, the willpower. And Warren Willersby, I love what he says, with the the word, the Lord gives us both willpower and won't power. Okay. I will do this. I won't do that. And there are some things that we have to recognize. No, man, I I won't do that. No is a really good thing for us to be able to say in different times as we need to not do certain things just because maybe somebody else wants us to do them. And there are other things that we should do that maybe people don't want us to do. And so we need both willpower and, and, and won't power. Now, how does this discipline happen? It happens through prayer. And so I talk to God about my will so it becomes his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the way this plays out is I'm reading the word. I'm in the word for myself, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cruising along through there. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, what does the word mean by that right there? What, why, is, why is John writing that verse? And then I read it over, and I, I'm like, man, there's something right there the Spirit of God is trying to show me from the word. And so I, I, I look at it and I think about it. And then as I recognize, generally the Lord will take the word and he will, he will say something to us that we uh, uh, should stop doing or something that we should start doing. It's not always in the kingdom that things are negative and, oh man, you're sinning because of this awful, socially unacceptable thing that you're doing. Sometimes you should be doing something that you're not doing, like helping somebody, and that too is sin. If we know to do something good and we don't do it, and the Lord shows us we're supposed to be doing something and we're not doing it, James says to to him it is sin to not do it. And so sometimes we're reading something, go, man, wow, look at that. Like, I, I think the Lord is saying something to me about I need to do X, Y, Z. Now I know what God's will is, His good pleasing, perfect will for me is, not because my pastor told me that it is, but because I was reading in the word and the Holy Spirit whom Jesus said would come and help me remember the things that he taught is reminding me something and illuminating in my mind something that he wants me to do. So now I begin in prayer to talk to God about my will matching what his desire is. My desire for what I have been doing shifting and taking on his desire as for what he wants to do in my life. And so now he starts accomplishing the work of the kingdom. As I'm talking to him about my will, my mind is changing and eventually my body will do what it's supposed to do. And so you don't read the word to try to be a good Christian. You say, oh, well, Jimmy said that if I'm going to be a, a believer, I need to read the word. No, no, that's not what Jimmy is saying at all. Because if you're not careful, you will come up with a list of wills and won'ts and do's and don'ts. And all you will be is self-righteous, a hypocritical Pharisee. It's not about coming up with a list. It's about pouring and washing your mind with the water of the word and the Holy Spirit will show you. He won't give you a list because, man, you could never make a (laughs) list. The truth of the matter is if you go by list, your wills will be too long and your won'ts will be too short. You say, this is what the Lord says I won't do and this is what the Lord says I can do. That's just such a messed up way to live. But if you go, man... I'm just going to read the Word and let the Lord guide me. I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to offer the Lord my body today. I'm going to offer the Lord my mind today, and I'm going to offer the Lord my will today. Then your thinking will begin to be shaped by the Holy Spirit, and transformation will start happening in your life. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the big idea. It is impossible to be a living sacrifice if you are spiritually dead. This is so, so important because a lot of you may be dead spiritually. And I don't know, like I, I, but what I, want to, what I want to caution is, if you have never given your soul to the Lord... You cannot offer your body and your mind and your will as a living sacrifice because you are dead in your sins and trespasses, and you need to come alive in Christ. And so the first step toward this spiritual journey and offering these three things to the Lord is offering your soul to the Lord that it might be saved. Then you begin the process of believing what God has said about your soul. You don't start doing these things because um, you just want to do them. You start believing these things as truth. You start believing that you no longer are viewed by God as a sinner. You have been transformed and forgiven. And you're in view, Paul says, of the mercies of God. In view of the mercies of God, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I start to believe these things. And as I believe these things, I'm walking through transformation on a consistent basis. And so being a Christian is not a one-time thing where you gave your life to Jesus and you were saved and, and you were baptized and now go do whatever you want to do. Your body's not yours, man. Jesus bought it. Your mind is not yours. He bought it. Your will is not yours. He bought it on the cross of Calvary. So how do I worship the Lord? Do I come in and sing the songs with Sean and that's the worshiper? And the person who's not singing is not the worshiper? No. The person who's worshiping the Lord never has to sing a song because their life is always singing. Like they're always surrendering their body. They're always giving it to God. They're always giving their mind to God. They're always, and I don't mean imperfection. I just mean there's a life of not God give me more. It's God, I want to give you more. In view of your mercies, I want to give you more of me because I know that the kingdom starts to function in my life. It's belief before behavior, not behavior before belief. And so in faith, we call upon the name of the Lord. We're saved. And then we start to worship in spirit and truth. So so this year, like we're a couple of things to help you. Grant put this really cool journal together. These are out front, okay? Okay. And they're just a a tool. All these pages will be blank in 2024 if you don't control your body. Okay? If you don't control and surrender your body to the Lord and surrender your mind to the Lord, the Lord's not going to say anything special or new to you other than what He's doing on a Sunday morning. And the second thing we would challenge you with is we're doing a 40-day fast as a church. And you heard Corey talk about it. And so... I would encourage you to fast, do a 24-hour fast from food sometime between um, the 3rd of January and Super Bowl Sunday, right? And, and, and just, here's, here's why I think a 24-hour fast is good. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a discipline of prayer, okay? You say, well, I can't go 24 hours without food because my work is such and such, right? Well, you gotta believe that the Lord will supply it. Right? The energy that you need to do what it is that he's asked you to do. And what I love about fasting is, is it's putting me in a realm of belief. Because my body's going to say, I'm hungry. And my mind is going to send a message and say, he is hungry. He hasn't had anything to eat. But my will is going to say, send a message to my body, mind, Sit down and shut up. We're focused on the things of the kingdom right now. And for 24 hours, man, I'm just going to remind myself. And every time I get hungry, my body's going to say I'm hungry. And I'm going to say, man, I'm more hungry for the Lord. And you go through this process. Now, why are we doing this? We're doing it for like, one of the things I want to see happen is transformation in us so that we would see transformation individually, personally, and that we would see it as a church. Like, man, I don't care for just the, the services being full and adding more services just for the sake of saying, well, oh, our church is growing. I want to see the Lord do stuff that we have to step back and say, only the Lord could do that. That marriage got saved because of the Lord. That, that guy gave his life, he, he got rid of his addiction because of the Lord, just like transformation, like stories of transformation. So I would encourage you um, to, as, as you enter this, like you sign up for one day, sign up for multiple days. But as a church together, we fast and pray that the Lord would do a work among us that would leave us with the only words falling from our lips of saying, it is the Lord. That's, that's what's happened there. The Lord did that. And so as we partake of communion today, there'll be some folks that will be up front. If you want to come up for special prayer, they will pray with you. But I would encourage you, as you partake of the elements today and we we observe the, the Lord's communion, offer your body as a living sacrifice to him in spirit and truth and worship him with that commitment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, Lord, (laughs) that is never-ending. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that as we remember you, Jesus, in this communion, that we would be a church that's just filled with people who are living sacrifices. We're not legalists. We're not trying to uh, keep a list of things that we're supposed to do. We're just listening, and our minds are being renewed Our wills are being surrendered, and our body, Lord, is being used to advance the work of the kingdom. We love you, we thank you, and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.